Don't tell anyone. Don't tell them what? Don't tell them that we're going off world, off world, where we talk about crazy things that don't include he man, he man, because the world is bigger than Eternia. This week we will be talking about Thor, love and thunder. Good, bad, decent, enough jokes. We'll let you know. Yeah, but I'm already wearing just, you down. Yeah, the... Jesse, are you are you married, single, gay? What's up? <laughs> <laughs> Hard hitting question. That's a fair question. No, I am I am single and streaming. Okay, decent. Okay. By by curious. All right. (laughs) So you're telling me there's a chance. (laughs) (laughs) Oh shit. (laughs) Oh goodness. How's that burger, Matt? What'd you what'd you end up getting? I just go standard this late at night. Yeah. You went with fries, though, so that's disappointing. They have those awesome cheese curds in there. Yeah, you got to get the cheese curds, man. You, sh- you should be ashamed of yourself. It goes right to your hips, bro. That, it worth it. <laughs> Nothing Absolutely else is going there. It. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Welcome, guys, to another great installment of Legends of Grayskull Presents Off-World. Tonight. We are really, Wait, I don't know why it's a spooky ghost. Really off-world in the Scooby-Doo universe, apparently. No, not <laughs> Scooby-Doo. We are doing <laughs> Thor Love and Thunder tonight. I'm joined, as always, with Sean Skavarna. Sean, how we doing? Pretty and good. Can't complain. Below me, we have the wonderful, magnificent, flowing flocks of Jesse Arnold. Did I say flocked? Because you did that damn just shelve it earlier. <laughs> so I got flock on the brain. He's, he's flocked with locks. <laughs> flocked for her pleasure. Flocked. I love that face. Love you got douche. There you face. go. <laughs> you got douche. <laughs> Boom! You got douche all over your face. <laughs> Are and you live right now? <laughs> over in the corner... From the wilds of Michigan, snacking on some Culver's, we have the wonderful, indescribable, unimitatable Matthew Rodriguez. Matthew, how are you today? Um, hey, I was on here a few episodes ago. <coughs> Who's that Tarzan-looking dude? <laughs> That's your new best friend, Jesse. You guys are going to get along great. I tell you what, normally when people say that type of stuff, it irks me. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like they're trying to say they know me better than I know myself. Mm-hmm. But then I've been chatting with Jesse a little bit, and I'm like, son of a gun, I like this guy. I knew you would. Everybody likes Jesse. He yeah. is a likable sort. <coughs> Until I'm not. So we actually... My wife and I were out the other night. Well, long story short, kind of. My daughter's out working in the yard, right? And this dog comes walking up to her. 
lovable little, I say puppy, but he's going to be a big dog. But you can tell by his behavior he's a puppy, you know. But, so, anyways, they bring the dog in and everything. We can't find, no one claims it on Facebook or whatever. Like, we don't even have a fence around our yard. So, like, we can't keep a dog, even, like, overnight. Like, so, we go to drop it off at the local shelter. Um... And they're supposed to have, like, an emergency drop after hours. Like, your kettle's out back and you call a number and let them know that these are everything. But apparently people have been abusing it. Um, so they have them all locked up all the time now. But, so we're getting back in the car to figure out something else to do with this dog. And my wife hears this meowing from this shed that's, like, across a field. So, she go. I, I said it was fine. She goes to investigate. Um, ow! And out pops this tiny little, oh my God. maybe four-week-old kitten who just clawed his way up my leg, which is why I started telling this story. Whoa! <laughs> so you got a dog and a cat in the same night? No, we did not keep the dog. We cannot keep a dog. We did end up keeping the cat, though. But... Also, it kind of ties into YouTube because it's like we have two cats already who are just about a year old, and they were very hesitant at first that this little guy would be a friend. Um, so it kind of reminded me of Matt and Jesse. Like, Matt's kind of like the older cat, and he's like, no, mm-hmm. that, what's that little thing doing? And then Jesse just comes in all cute, and he's like, hi. <laughs> and I've been around the block. <laughs> yep. <coughs> I used to be an alley cat. <laughs> I used to roam the streets, get my milk whenever I wanted from wherever <laughs> I wanted. I used to jump far. I used to be thin. And uh, I got married, and, and, and now I'm a house cat. Yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> Didn't you get married at, like, 16? Feels like it. Feels like it. No, you guys have been together since, like, high school, haven't you? Pretty long time? No, we, we made out in high school. Okay. Doesn't count. One time. I was I was a senior, and she was a sophomore, and she needed a ride home, and I was like, we're obviously going to stop at the old hospital parking lot. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and uh, then, <laughs> then years later, we... Uh, we all of a sudden, I'm like, who's this chick trying to talk to me on Facebook? Or, uh, <coughs> on MySpace. On MySpace. I was going to say, when about Facebook? Yeah, MySpace back then. And then uh, I was like, hey, what's going on? You know, and we reconnected and, and hit it off. But, uh, but yeah, we uh, technically nah. yeah, technically had the first uh, make-out session uh, when I was in high school. And she actually, fun fact... She had a note telling me how much she liked me when I was a senior, and she was trying to walk towards me in the hallway the next day with this note, and I was standing there talking to some other girl, so she threw it in the trash can. Never got it. Hmm. I really want to hear that story from Rachel's perspective now. That would be interesting. It's like a multiverse thing, you know? There's some multiverse where, like, we hooked up, like, we actually, like, she gave me the note. Mm Mm-hmm. And then we like got married at sixteen, and then we got divorced at like twenty two. You know what I mean? Like, there's I know, a I was, whole different. I was going to go down the same thing. route, actually. Maybe you know, 
because I, me and my wife talk about that all the time. Because we'll, you know, we didn't meet till we were in our twenties working at the same grocery store, and it's like we talk about our high school days, and I'm like, we totally would not have like ever wound up in the same circles, let alone got along. Like if we'd met any earlier than we did, it wouldn't have happened. But right. Is meant to be. Love's funny like that. Absolutely. So speaking of love, we've uh, all seen Thor Love and Thunder, right? Oh, <laughs> it's almost like you planned that. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Heavily scripted. I'm, going, I'm sleeveless for this episode. <laughs> all right. That so, one's love, the other one's thunder. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, guys, this is going to be a little bit of a different off-world. We're cutting out all the other segments because I think Love and Thunder alone is going to be enough. So if you like State of the Stores and Never Have I Ever, come back next episode, maybe. Who knows? But I think this one's going to be all Marvel, all Thor Love and Thunder. Because I think not only is Love and Thunder a very divisive movie, but I think it opens up a bigger discussion Pretty much, what are we in now? Phase four? Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. For me, this one, you know, I've complained about not having a clear, feeling like I have a clear picture of where phase four is going. I think this one really kind of opened the doors to where I've got a bit better grasp of it. Um, or I think I do. Marvel's tricked me before. So. But. So, real quick here, go round round the clock here, starting with Sean. Um, what were your expectations going into this? None. Uh, the Thor movies as a single <coughs> character movie yeah. usually are not the must-see events compared right. to other uh, Marvel characters. So this one, I I think the main thing for me was I was very curious to see what would happen with him joining the Guardians at the end of Endgame. And I was like, oh, you know, and, and obviously they're in the trailer. So let's see how that plays out. But that was about the extent of anything for me. Fair enough. Matthew, if you're if you're safe to talk, we'll go with you next if you need to finish your mission. I'm, I'm just going across the street. We're going to go in the Walmart parking lot. All right. <laughs> little tour. a little bit of a scene. <coughs> I'm, taking you guys on, I'm taking you guys on a little ride. Yeah. He's literally driving off world right now. Um, so, so, uh, what was the question? Uh, Thor, Love and Thunder. Your expectations going into the theater. Well, I think that, uh, Ragnarok really kind of like set Thor apart as far as all these individual movies. They, they have done a good job kind of having their own flavor, let's say. So, um, you know, Captain Civil War, like that type of stuff, uh, you know, definitely has kind of that spy thriller stuff going on. Um, you know, they, they all have their own little bit different flavors, same meal, different flavors. And so when Ragnarok came out, it seemed like all of a sudden they, like, found a new recipe. Mm-hmm. And they were like, holy crap, like this... Uh, this definitely could be, you know, people want to laugh. People want to have fun. Uh, people don't mind bright lights. Um, and so when it, comes, when it comes down to that type of stuff, uh, I definitely think that... Hey, guys. Uh, I, definitely, I definitely think that, like, 
the anticipation of that that they were like kind of accepting this colorful world yeah. got me a little bit more hyped for this movie compared to some of the others, you know, Black Widow and you know some of the other ones that have come along where uh and Chris Hemsworth too. I mean, he he's become a staple. And so I I I I was excited. I mean, and I yeah, yeah I, I enjoyed it, but I was I was excited. All right. Jesse I I was expecting it to be um more, like, like Matt was saying, more in line with uh, Ragnarok. That's that was my expectation. I knew it was going to be funny. It was going to have some good moments. Um, I did think it was a little strange some of the plot lines they chose to put in the trailer, just because I know the comics and the movies are their own separate things. Yep. But I was just like, wow, they're going to cram those two stories in here. All right, let's see how that plays out. That could work. But I, I was, I was, uh, I was excited. Um, especially coming off the last movie that I did not like at all. Um, I had my hopes really set up. Ragnarok? You didn't like Ragnarok? No. Multiple he means, oh, he means Doctor Strange, yeah. The, the crown a lot. I thought you meant out of Thor's movies. No, no, like, no. Like, Ragnarok theatrical was a gem. Release. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, <clears throat> I can't say I had any really big expectations, but. I did thoroughly enjoy Ragnarok. Surprised me very much how much I liked it. It was one of those I waited till it was out streaming or DVD or whatever, and like I just popped it in on one day when I had nothing else to do, and I was like blown away. Um, and sometimes I think that's a part of it going into these movies. Like you get me a Spider-Man where I'm heavily invested, and I've got so much anticipation tied up in it where. It's actually more likely to disappoint me. Whereas you get like a Thor that I've never followed besides like, you know, he does show up here or there, you know. It's that right. clean slate for me. So I can, it's it's more likely that I can just enjoy it even if they deviate greatly. But yeah, after the first two Thor movies, Ragnarok blew my socks off. And I, I will say I was excited to see this, but I also didn't seek out any trailers. I still don't think I've ever watched the trailer for Love and Thunder. Like, I just showed up to the theater and got on the ride. So, But I also enjoyed Doctor Strange as well, so maybe I have no taste. <laughs> you what? <laughs> I said, so maybe I have no taste. Uh. I will get. Well, I mean, you you have you have taste. I mean, I think no, Jesse I just saying that. Like, I'm just teasing some him. Of, some of us like uh, fancier <clears throat> meals than you. Yeah. So, I'm going to get one big dislike out of the way right away here. All right, and I know we were all thinking it. It's seen seen uh, spoilers, guys. Obviously, we're doing a review. There's going to be spoilers. So, mm-hmm. but like. Early scene just bugged the crap out of me. I know we were all sitting there thinking about it. So when Jane's in the hospital and Darcy comes and visits her, right? And she brings, you know, the Lay's potato chips and the flaming Hot Cheetos. And by God, those chips, every time they flash back to Darcy, they move places on the table. I know, it was, it was hard to watch for all of us. But. (laughs) 
I caught it, but it did. Yeah. Okay, he caught he caught it too, huh? You'd think after a decade they'd clean their act up. Is right. what I'm yeah. saying. Right. Come on, who's who's man in the set that day? I mean, first you got the kettle cooked on the right, then it's on the left. It's a, it was a mess. Sun chips were all over the place. But I did not pick up on that at all. <laughs> yeah. No, it's 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 what it's, Darcy was in this. Isn't that her name? Yeah. I'm kidding. I no, I I don't. I did not pick up on the chips at all. Yeah, I didn't pick on up on the chips, but we'll we'll continue with the, that scene. Yeah, go ahead. That that scene to just seemed to be so misplaced, in my opinion. Like, I <sighs> so so it's that it's that thing, and we've talked about it definitely um, before. But like the whole like the reveal to the audience, and then the reveal within the world. You know, they obviously tried to use this as a, hey, audience, we're going to clue you in so that you get to watch us reveal it to Thor later. Where, and again, I don't know if I was talking to Jesse or who I was talking about when we were, or if it was all of you guys, but it seemed like that thing where, like, I would have loved for that first scene of her, I think, in the whole, like a hotel room or something Mm -hmm. uh, on New Asgard where she takes off her helmet and we see how jacked up she is. Like, I would have liked that to be revealed to us in that way instead of how it was in the movie. I, I have to agree, actually, you know, taking yeah. taking it there. I Honestly, I, I think it would have been better to find out with Thor at the end of the movie as well. Like, I... I it was really weird because they played it up for like the first scene there when Thor, you know, winds up on New Asgard and like they play it up like, who is this? Who could this be? And then it's just like, oh, it's Jane. Like right away. It's like, even that I thought could have, could have taken a beat or two. Um, so yeah, there's de- yes. definitely some pacing issues. In there, and the reviews <coughs> all did not hit as hard. Bless you. All the pacing, all yeah. the pacing. No, Jesse, you follow Thor comic books and, and the, the Mighty Thor a little bit. Like, I mean, you've you're a little bit deeper in that side of uh, the lore. Yeah, I read I read the comics through all of Jason Aaron's run up until he went to um, Avengers, and uh, I think Donny Cates took over the comics. Okay, so basically when you mention the writer of the comic book, you're just proving that you're smarter than the three of us. Yes, Um, (laughs) that's why we have him on here. So so as far as, like you said, both storylines, how did those elements, I guess, how were those, those are two different storylines, the God Butcher and Mighty Thor, did they represent well? I mean, obviously, we both. I mean, we all agree it was a little bit, you know, crammed. Um, but as far as just the story went, is that kind of how they both follow? Uh, no, I, I would say no. They did not. I mean, there were elements I think that they got pretty good, but overall, I, I think as far as like being a good representation. I mean, then again, you could technically say Civil War was not a good representation of that comic. No, it's still a great movie, mm-hmm. but it's not a good, like... The translation of it. Yeah. Right. Um, 
Yeah. So I, I, get, I don't feel like this movie did either of those stories justice. That's kind of hard, too, because... Just throwing it out there. Because, like, even me, I've not read a modern Thor comic. But I knew Jane Foster became the mighty Thor. I knew she had cancer. You know, I don't know if she died in that run. I don't know that, but, like, I guess it's kind of hard to have those reveals when you figure at least half your audience already knows the basics there, right? Like, how do you... So if you drag that out, I'm assuming that's what they're thinking. If you drag it out too long, then all the guys that know how the story goes are sitting there like, come on, this is stupid. Why can't he figure it out, you know? Um, it's kind of tough because that, Jane Foster becoming Thor was a, a huge story back when it happened, you know? Everyone talked about it. More people talked about it than actually read the comic. <laughs> that's probably true. Well, yeah, because, because yeah, because Thor is a guy's name, dude. <coughs> well, I heard people on the radio because some of the people I work with listen to talk radio all day yeah. long, and some of them were complaining that like, well, Thor's a girl now. Like, how can you turn Thor into a girl? Like, I think they literally thought, in right. context of what they were saying, that they turned Thor, right. Odin's son, into a female character, and I'm like, that's not. No, and so what they did it to Loki a couple years before when Loki was in Sif's body for a long Mm -hmm. time, and no one knew who she was. I mean, they're yeah. I mean, but whatever. Like, yeah, more people. I heard more people talking about that at the time than most other comics that weren't reading comics. So real quick, wait. So you're so you're trying to tell me that there are people that talk about stuff. And the stuff they're talking about, they don't actually know about it. Right. That's super weird. Yeah, it's probably the first time it's ever happened. I'm not touching that. I mean, um, <laughs> yes, 100%. That's, so, that's just so odd. Um, now, Thor, I have to ask you, since you read the runs, I absolutely, I mean, a lot of this stuff was campy and like went overboard, and we all can agree on that. But the element of Thor telling his hammer to take care of Jane is that from the comic or is that was that made up for the movie I think that was made up for the that was one of the few things I actually really appreciated in the I, movie I really like that scene actually when they like give a justification I, for it and I, I thought that that was a really cool element yeah. just just the whole like even if it's even if it's tongue in cheek at the time but that like that his hammer like has its own spirit. Like, I definitely like that element of that, that, uh, cause obviously when it, it broke and like, we're like, oh, we're never gonna get this hammer again because it's like, it's gone. But the fact that, yeah, they made it its own character early on, like, I don't know, I, I, I like that element. And it's kind of like how Odin, you know, enchanted so that Thor could only hold it when he's worthy, you know, it's kind of like Thor put another enchantment on it, you know, really embracing his lineage too which is really important right. in the time that this is set in you know where mm-hmm. thor is struggling with who he is where he belongs and to kind of bring it back like that and cuz uh, story wise they couldn't do what they did in the comics because <clears throat> um the way 
Jane gets the hammer in the comics is someone walks up to Thor at the end of the, uh, I can't remember if it was the end of the beginning of the story, original sin, which was also by Jason Aaron. Um, and is Nick Fury, I think whispers in Thor's ear and you don't learn for the longest time what he says. I think he just, I don't remember. It's something about like, are, are you sure you're worthy or is like, you're not worthy or something to that, that effect. Yeah. And the hammer falls out of his hand on the moon. Like, he can't pick it up anymore. And then at the end of the story arc, you see a female hand pick it up. You don't know who it is. Um, so you couldn't really do the unworthy thing because they kind of already did that in the first Thor movie. Right. So I really liked... I wish they would have done their whole, like, relationship breakup sequence a little bit different where it was more Jane intentionally pushing Thor away because she knew she had cancer. I feel like that would have been a little bit more dramatic, but they didn't go for any drama in this movie. <laughs> um, no, but and... I also I also kind of found it a little bit more realistic. Like, they just kind of drifted, you know? I mean, it, it happened. It worked. It yeah. did work. I just, with that storyline for her, it, it just seemed like yeah. a missed opportunity, you know? Um, so, no, Mjolnir was not with, like, he didn't do that in the comic she picked it up because she was worthy right? and becomes the mighty Thor. Um, and Shard's Mjolnir, oh, new for the movie or in the comic? No, the the hammer was broken in, uh, what was it? Um, where everybody had like the Tron suits, I think. It got okay. fractured. A chip of it got broken out. Or was okay, that an so- ultimate storyline? But in the, in the comics, it was intact when she picked it up. Okay. I love so that. Like, I love that, that attack. Was addition. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Um, yeah. yeah, I love the way the hammer worked in the movie, uh, and I loved how jealous uh, Stormbreaker was. I, Did I think you they like overdid that? a little bit? Okay. I, I, I enjoy. I think they overdid it, but I yeah. liked it. I think. I think by you saying they overdid it, but I liked it, is literally the tagline of this movie (laughs) for for me like literally every element of this movie like we overdid it I enjoyed it like you like there's this sweet spot where um the phrase that I used the other day was and I'll definitely I I need to trademark this but um it's that you can be a director that makes a movie for people are you finding the cat did you lose your cat already Nah, just making sure the older cat was being nice. She is. Okay. <laughs> We're good. And he's got they got to show them the ropes, you know? A little, a little, light, a little light hazing. Um, but there's directors that you make a movie for people to enjoy. Yeah. And I feel like that that's where he was at with Ragnarok. And this was a movie for him. Like, I fully think that he enjoyed this movie too much himself as a director. Like, he was making the movie he wanted to watch, and I think that this shows because he did Ragnarok, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. And, that was his first one, and that was and that was him being tame and being tamed, and and it's like you can see, like, yes, he's inserting some of his likes into it, but he's letting it be for the audience. This I felt like any chance there was a, I think this would be super funny if we. Blah 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 blah. I think every, every scene of the movie, every yeah. opportunity of that, he took to make himself laugh. Which, well, I think, 
You know, it could also be like the so Thor did all right. Dark World pretty much panned. Most people have it, if not I the like last, pretty low in their Marvel movies. And then Taika Waititi comes along for Ragnarok. So you got to imagine the execs are pretty kind of like, look, we like that you're bringing your vision, but like, like they're reining him in, right? Like they're still like, now come on, like you know, he's still he's still being tested. He's still like right. And then Ragnarok makes all the money, everybody loves it, and they're like, all right, hey, we're wrong, do it. And they're just like over there counting their stacks of cash, and he's just like, here we go. Now we got it. So I think that's probably a big part of it, too. I liked, same as Jesse pretty much, I liked the first couple scenes between Stormbreaker and Mjolnir were like, oh, okay. But then, like, by the time we're getting into, like, the God Butcher and chasing the kids and all that, it's like, all right, now we need to, like, start getting this a little bit more serious. I think that's the thing. It never, to me, it never really got to the seriousness of the situation. We just kind of stayed in the more, honestly, Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, goofiness, you know, and stakes. You know, where we're having dance battles and stuff. Sean, hit us with something. You gotta just jump yeah. in, buddy. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm on the, I'm, I'm slow on the draw tonight. Well, uh, I just looked it up. Ragnarok was written by uh, three different people. I think some of which already did Marvel. It, 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 screenplay by Eric Pearson. Pearson. Uh, writing team of Craig, Kyle, Christopher, and Christopher Yost. And I think Christopher Yost also did some other stuff with Marvel on top yeah. of that. But it's like the, the, the team for that one, Taika took their story and made it a movie. Right. This time around, you have Taika going, I want to do both sides of it. I want to have writing time and directing it. And I felt like it was an overdose of him yeah. through the movie. And, the, like I, I know uh, I've talked to other people where they're complaining about how characters didn't feel like the characters, and part of the problem with that, and I pointed that out actually to somebody that we know, <laughs> Steve, and um, he was complaining that the Guardians were goofballs. They didn't feel anything like the Guardians in the previous movies, and 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 then it, you know it was like oh well Thor's the only thing that can save us because we're all pinned down and we're gonna die and all this other stuff and then Thor comes in and just rips the crap out of everything to save the day but and was, I'm like but you what go ahead I was I think I was about you to do, say what you're about to say you do realize that the the movie is bookended by um, Korg yeah. who's sitting around talking to children. And basically coming up with tall tales about Thor, because Thor is his bestest buddy ever, and he's going to put him in the greatest light ever, because that's the guy he's adventuring with all the time. Right. Why would and he so, make Star-Lord the hero of exactly. the new Asgardian like folklore? In, in the same way, uh, the best comparison that I can make as of right now is they, they made the Lone Ranger movie uh, a bunch of years back with Johnny Depp as Tonto, and the whole movie played the Lone Ranger as an idiot. And it's like, because the story's told by Tonto, who does know more than the Lone Ranger when it comes to certain skill sets, because the Lone Ranger is still learning. And he he's already this, you know, like Native American warrior out there 
doing his thing. So he's going to play up the Lone Ranger as more of a fool, and he's the one saving <clears throat> him constantly, and that's his tall tale. Korg is going to talk up Thor the best way he can. So that's part of the problem for me with the movie is I felt like most of this was a giant tall tale and you couldn't really invest in making it serious, which makes it kind of depressing because we've seen Thor in the first movie and that played it very seriously and straight. Same with Dark World. The Avengers movies played him where he was basically the, the powerhouse right there with Hulk on the Avengers team. He was the one that beheaded Thanos and everything. He was the one that wanted to kill Thanos. And he, when he shows up in Infinity War, the crowd went nuts because they knew with Thor coming in, now we're getting to business and everything. And even though they took that turn with him getting fat, it's like, well, okay, fine. I actually appreciated that from a depression standpoint, watching that going, I know how that feels. You're digging in deep into the darkness and the negativity. You're trying to hide away and you're you're doing things to self-medicate yourself. I completely get it. This movie, obviously Ragnarok's there, and Ragnarok started making that shift where he's he's a powerhouse, yet he's a little more comedic and, and more of like a you know himbo at times, depending on the situation. But they didn't play it nearly as to the umpteenth power the way this movie did. And some of it was the storytelling conventions they were using. And it would be confusing for people. If you don't remember that, you are going to go, well, so, why is Star-Lord hoping and, that and, Thor saves everybody here? That makes no sense. Star-Lord wouldn't be that guy, you know? Yeah. And and I like, I like the fact that they limited the Guardians part of Thor's adventure to that. Because imagine this movie, and then we have to have, like, a third of it with him, with the Guardians, too. Like, I like that they just kind of, like, here's Korg's story, here's what happened, he's grown, he's he's found himself again, he's back in shape, he's, you know, like, yeah. I like that passage okay. of time there. And, real quick, just throwing it out there, especially to Sean and Matt, watching that opening sequence in the battle with Thor versus all those weird alien creatures... Mm-hmm. The Muppets? Yeah. But <laughs> how the hell do we not have a Masters of the Universe movie yet? Those freaking Muppets are saying. riding those giant, yeah. you know, tank, tread, horde-looking vehicles, laser fire, Thor with a yep. freaking axe. Like, yep. how the yep. hell do we not have a He-Man movie off the ground yet? I, I said it the other day, we were watching Shang-Chi, and in that movie, Shang-Chi's flying on a dragon. And I'm like, yeah. I said it to my daughter, I'm like, I can't wait for a He-Man movie live action. I want to see He-Man on Battle Cat riding into battle right now. Like, every time yeah. I see that. You could have so, just yeah. replaced Thor with He-Man in that scene, and it would have yeah. played just as well. Like, See, the good thing about <laughs> He-Man, though, when that movie gets made, he does not have a mask or helmet he needs to keep on. <laughs> It can be whatever actor's face you have right. on display the entire time. Yep. Mm-hmm. Marvel hates masks. Matt, you were trying to say something. I, I, I'm Sean. I love you. I completely. So, All right. if we actually break it down from a character standpoint, <coughs> Thor is by far, by far the best and most well-developed character in the entire MCU, if you stop and think about it. Look, let's stop right before this movie takes place. Like, all of his journey, 
him being an outsider, throwing the coffee mug down, figuring out I'm not of this world, magic and science, this and that. You know, mm-hmm. coming to grips with that, coming to grips with with his him being himself. And even in the team movies where like the term, Sean, I would call it, is that like some stories allow someone to be comedic. Yeah. And then some storytellers tell that person to be comedic. Mm-hmm. So what I would say is that Thor and Chris Hemsworth, they've loosened up the reins on him and him allow to like the scene in the dark world where he hangs up the hammer. That was all Hemsworth. Like in interviews, you see like he just added that to the movie. He's like, I'm just going to hang up my hammer on this coat rack. And like right. it worked in the movie and it was fun and everybody liked it. And his development with depression and getting overweight and feeling like it was his fault, getting back into shape, all of this stuff, the whole storyline, like he has the story has allowed him to be funny and it wasn't about him being a comedic character per se. You know what I'm saying? So, so yeah, it's the fish out of the water. It's the crocodile yeah. Dundee. It's the, the mixing of worlds. Right, so, 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 so when you get to this point in this movie and all these chances, and I mean, they were there, they're very minimum and you can see them all these chances for him to have growth in the natural doorway that we've watched for a decade, it it doesn't hold any weight. Like, yeah, literally. And I was talking to Jesse about this a little bit, but like, <laughs> even at the end, to me, and I'm yeah. I'm sorry. Like, I know everybody wants this new all women's Avengers. I know Steve's hyped about all yeah. the teenage women <laughs> Avengers that are coming up. Yeah, he oh, made yeah. like he made the petition online. Yeah. It was, it was such it was it was such a cop out from a human standpoint and being a married man i don't i'm not single but literally this movie said in my opinion and that it doesn't hit you hard over that but it's like to feel whole you need to have someone yeah. and he lost jane and now he gets a little girl and he's going to be a dad now so he's going to still be whole like it missed an opportunity for a guy post uh uh psd to like understand that to love yourself and to be alone and you don't have to have technically that you know what I'm saying like mm-hmm. like it doesn't you mm-hmm. don't have to replace one person with another person to feel whole and right, I feel yeah. like I feel like that that echoed that you need that and maybe not intentionally but it sort of seemed like that's kind of the message they were sending so I'm like I'm watching it and I'm like dude he he can just be happy by himself like can't you let this guy be does his purpose have to be another person like that just seems odd to me because I feel like Thor at his core they have the message in this movie where it's like yeah love like choose goodness choose love like fight evil like it's all there the god butcher and then you have this guy he's got love worth fighting for like I get all of that but all of the little growth moments and all of the little like key moments of Thor's personality that make him Thor. If you have him hanging the hammer fifteen times in the movie, yeah, th- it means nothing. Yeah, and I never but really you let him hang. I never you let him hang the hammer one time, and it's brilliant. I never thought about that way until you just said it. But not only is it like he's. You know, he comes back into contact with Jane, and he's spending the whole movie kind of chasing her, but at the same time, like, it's not even his old flame, but his old weapon, too, like, because, and that leads back to the Mjolnir stuff. Um, 
Yeah, I think I think you absolutely nailed it. They needed to have that. They never got to that message of where like you can't just keep chasing the past. You know, you or gotta, chasing something well, like he was. Yeah. He was meditating. He was meditating at the beginning. Right, you're and then finding like, oh, yourself meditating. in a good place, but now you're lump, you're going right back to your old stuff where you feel like you need Jane, you need Milner. Well, did anyone else, is, real quick, Tessie, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but did anyone else not like the fact that Thor could pick up Milner? That, like, when you know, he's like, oh, I just wanted to see if I could. For some reason, I just, I, I would have liked it better if Milner was like, no, you told me to protect Jane, I'm Jane's now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Instead of like, I don't know. It's just kind of like a weird, a weird door to keep open at that moment. You know, I, I think I, it would have been I, better for his growth. If it's like, no, I have to move past this. I had a love hate moment with that because there is that part of me. It, I mean, they did, they already did it in Endgame where yep. he has to find that out for himself, and there it is going flying across Asgard to him and stuff. It's like right. it would have been kind of nice. He got all the way on the other side of the stuff that he went through with being overweight, the depression, the PTSD. He gets to the other side of that and he tries to pick it up and he can't do it. And it's not anything to do with him. It's the fact that the right. the enchantment is on that yeah. now, and someone who is worthy is in possession of it right or now. Or maybe you know, like almost that. Or maybe I didn't he doesn't think about even... it at all. But I, go ahead, Jesse, you're up. <laughs> I talked too much. I was going to say, I, I would have preferred at this point, I didn't really think about it. I didn't mind that he was able to pick it up, but thinking about it now, it's like, yeah, I wish he wouldn't even have gone for it. That's what I was just about to say. Instead of, like, yeah. like he's like, I want, and no, like, no, I'm good. I don't need that. That, that You're right. That would have been even better. That's that's what I came up to. Because, I mean, yeah, we, we saw it in Endgame when he and Cap right. are, are sharing it. Yeah. That's, I think um, that's it. I never really thought about it, but it's, it's the whole retread. Yeah, with, with his mom in Infinity War, yeah. where he's like, he's like, I'm still worthy. Like, and it's like mm-hmm. sits with him, and it's a great moment. But like, could yeah. you imagine? Even if you put it in this movie, it adds way too much because this movie's stuffed. But right. could well, you, if this was two movies, could you imagine him holding the handle <clears throat> and all of the all of the pieces of of hammer fall to the ground in a in a pile? That would have been cool. Yeah, like your time. Your time is done with me. Like it's not that yeah. you're not worthy because we've done that. We've yeah. come past yeah. that. I think, like you were saying, with him having to find someone, like the whole progress through up through Endgame was great because mm-hmm. you have that whole conversation with his mom and the way he ends it. He's like, "I'm. I don't need to be who people expect me to be. I need to figure out who I." Or however, they worded it. Yeah, and this one. It just felt like they fold like this and Multiverse of Madness. I'm not going to harp on that. I feel like they both gave the directors like borderline free reign to do whatever they wanted. I completely and, do. And um, I will say this: we can get into it at the end if you want. But I feel like the Black Panther movie seems like it's pushing things back on track. I don't mind the Marvel movies being funny. I like the humor. I don't like when it's humor for two hours and ten minutes non-stop and there's two massively serious storylines that are it's almost not a throw there yeah right jane's cancer story <coughs> is not a joke yeah right. and i don't feel like they ever necessarily made it a joke in the movie but they didn't give it any substance really and the god butcher storyline now that like, yeah in the comics that's that's like millennia Dude, that is millennia 
time frame, like Thor fights Gore for the first time as a young Viking god, like back in Viking days. Obviously, you can't do everything the same, but it's that's. I really liked the potential of that story, and like we get that first scene with like him in the desert. His daughter dies. He buries her. He finds the oasis, and his literal god, you know, is sitting in front yeah, of him, it, it, and he just like that first scene. That first scene is in the comic. No, the origin. Well, I I loved it. Like that that origin scene of Gore. I sort of. I thought it. I thought it was freaking amazing. Where that god is just a, a cruel guy. He's just like, yeah, I don't give a shit about you. Like, there's gonna be more when you're gone. Like, how many how many civilizations have I gone through that worship me? And he just picks right. up the the sword and just like I like. I thought we were gonna. I was all in on gore after that scene. I'm like, yes, let's see where this is going. And ultimately, I just after that moment. It never really felt like he was a threat. More just kind of this nuisance buzzing around the universe. You know? You know, or even when the Guardians scene, when they're like, look at all these distress calls, all these worlds, all yeah. their gods, you know? It's like, oh, alright, like we're gonna see some ramifications from this. And it just, it never really got there, you know? For me. Well, I mean, one of the things that I would have been more interested in with a movie like this is I mean you can do some humor with it at least but yeah. you don't like this this should have been like a dramatic race to the finish line for Thor it would have been interesting to have it you see him in his younger days like Jesse's talking about yeah. you have the Viking mythology in there you have him meet this character for the first time and you have it be something he barely escapes you know, or, or, or whatever, and it's one of those, you know, him being who Thor is in the first movie, he would look at that as, well, that's a black mark on my history because I shouldn't have run away or I shouldn't have been pulled away. I, I should have defeated this enemy. I vanquished him and blah, 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 and all this stuff. And and then throughout the history, you could have had it in this one going, oh, by the way, this has been going on ever since you fought him the first time. This is a thing that is happening, and that's part of why Asgard fell. That's part of what, you know, like the, almost the, the idea of these were building blocks leading to these things that he lost happening. But Sh- and Sean, that's, that's per, that's perfect because like if you, if you rewrite, write the movie from that angle, literally, if you make, and we talk about purpose, if you make that the reason why he gets back in shape. Yeah. Like, cause, cause this God Butcher guy comes back He's, from, He's been gone for a while, but he come, comes back and, and Thor flashes back to a memory with him with, in his classic uniform, you know, 20 yeah. years ago, be, right before he joins the Avengers, something like that. Mm-hmm. We're like, you give him that because because realistically, the, the him getting back in shape yeah. had no purpose in this movie other than, like, the montage of him fat uh, shaking chains. Like, yeah. it really yeah. didn't, like, they didn't really give any real true purpose to that other than... I'm bored now. I'm going to help the Guardians defeat these guys, but you know, but I'm also going to be this peaceful guy who meditates by this tree, blah blah blah, you know, type of thing. Yeah. So you almost re- retwist it that way, and you yeah. have it where he finds that purpose in, hey, I'm still the number one. I have this bad mark on my resume when I was a teenager or whatever, and we've got to get back in shape, Cork. Like I got to get back on the field. 
And then he finds out there's a new player because all of a sudden there's a woman wielding Mjolnir. And well, then I, I think- like the idea that he's looking at this going, this is a villain, this is this is a force that has decimated the gods at this point. Like, like not to the point where obviously Zeus was on the hit list yet or whatever, but there is a time. This is coming to a head here, and he sees this woman, Thor, and he knows this person doesn't have any idea of what's going to happen. Thor is on the hit list. Gore is coming after that version of Thor, he comes in to try to help, finds out it's Jane. He's fighting all of his damnedest to protect her through the movie, which, you know, she can protect herself and all that stuff, too, because she's got the power of Thor. And it's the whole idea of him trying to stop something to, for, with the woman he loves on top of that. And then at the very end, but there's cancer. And it's yes. almost that Superman thing where no matter what powers you have, a heart attack is still going to take yep. away your father. And it's right. like, no matter what you do in that moment, you you can have all the powers in the world, but he's still a human man that will die because he's old and his heart wasn't good. She's a human woman that, yes, she gets the power of Thor. And I like that they're like, well, the power of Thor is actually negating your chemotherapy. Right. So every time you turn into Thor, you're not, you're not doing anything good to yourself. You're actually killing yourself right. faster because the chemo is is not taking effect properly, the cancer's winning, but and it's the whole yeah. As long one, as she holds that hammer, though, the other. Yep. As long as she holds that hammer, she's got it. And at the end of the movie, maybe Gorn gets the hammer away, or she she loses it, or something. And then that's the moment where it's he can't do anything to save her, no matter what he does there. But the problem with that idea, the more I think about it, is we've already seen Thor lose Loki. Heimdall. Oh, Thor the, loses, the, the Thor loses everybody. Me, his own father, his mother. Well, so there is that feeling of you ju- you can't keep doing this to this poor guy. But we do. The, the movie, I'm picturing him with a shotgun to his we mouth. We always point, do know? this like, with Thor. He has the most <laughs> tragic arc in He's all of the MCU. He, every movie he loses. Yeah. And they've yeah. played they've played all of the losses except for his mother and Loki. Yeah. And his father. As jokes, yeah. As jokes. Or, yeah. or when they acknowledged the, the fact that his friends died in Ragnarok, jokes at the beginning right. of this movie. Was anyone, well, was anyone else really disturbed? And I, I don't just throw around like words like triggered or whatever, but New Asgard, like I really oh. like, I really like the concept of like, they're like playing into their whole space god mythology angle and like the boat rides and like a tourist destination. I, I like that. It worked for me. Like for just the, the, you know, I mean, think about it. Like most Asgardians are just kind of like common folk. Like they're not all Thors and Siths and everything. But regardless, going down that boardwalk, how the hell can they name an ice cream shop Infinity Cones with the freaking uh, gauntlet as the logo. That's like, I've got a local bakery called Adolf Hitler's, you know, gas chamber pastries. Yeah, swastikas are us. Yeah, like how, how do you, I get the joke, but in universe, like how can you, in in, in, in universe, 
that whole town checks out except for the name of that place. Right, except for the ice cream like, shop. There like, is no like, way. I get it. I get it that like people would it would be a tourist attraction, they'd go on the boat ride. Like I get I get mm-hmm. all of that. I get that that's what oh, be, America does with stuff. I'd be first yeah. in line. The infinity cones, that was a that it had to be in a type of you know, a type of thing like oh, this would be funny. Yeah, it goes like, back to that whole thing. It's just like it's it's you guys took a step too far. It too far. Well I, I, I Go ahead, John. <laughs> I, I, just real quick, I mean, to me, like, I, I'm i kind of at my limit on Taika Waititi, and I'm not one of those people that's out there wanting to, like, throw hate at him online. Yeah. But there is this kind of feeling of he's going to do – he's almost somebody that, unless you re- rein him in, he's just going to go nuts and do his own thing. And I feel like in-universe, him doing that to him is funny – but yeah. he's not thinking of anything about that. Just the same right. way, like I heard there was this this story of him saying, "Oh, I'm going to direct a Star Wars movie next." Natalie Portman, would you like to be in it? She's like, "Well, I've already been in Star Wars." Oh, you've been in like it's that whole thing. It's like he's got all these crazy ideas and all this stuff. But then at the end of the day, he's not thinking through. Yeah. But this and, and is that's, probably and that's the, the artist, way you should and, do and that's it. the <laughs> and that's the artist that's the artist world and that's the artist vision. But there's reasons why editors exist. There's reasons yeah. why we have teams to keep things in check. Where, like you said, with this one and and um, Jesse was saying with Multiverse of Madness, it's like, hey, bro, like Taika, like I get it. You know what Ragnarok was about, but you should probably watch these other Marvel movies that are connected to Thor yeah. before doing this full script to this one, because mm-hmm. it will teach you a lot. Because. It'll teach you a lot because you're you're not making a one-off movie that can be for the comedy. Right. Which, if you want to do, that's fine. And have it be your own multiverse and have it not connected to this one and have the actor be Liam Hensworth instead. But the thing is, you're dealing with stuff that's already established. Personalities that are already in-world established. And the way people interact together already established. So you can tell that, again, it just wasn't it wasn't thought through like, and I get it. I co- totally get it. And I know people have been shitting on this movie all the time, but like I enjoyed it for what it was. Yeah. I wanted it to be better. It was too bloated. We can break it down. How wonderful it would have been if it would have been two movies two and movies. Taika would have yeah. gotten, gotten his own trilogy. But the thing at the end of the day is Taika and this cast was having so much fun making this movie that all it ended up being was you guys remember that, fake uh thor looking for a, a roommate skit that like yeah. i don't know if it was yeah. like just no, on youtube or it was like what it was on but yeah. he like had a like uh, a guy that worked at a office like as his as his roommate mm-hmm. and it was funny right but yeah. it was also only three and a half minutes right and well it, it, something something that I, I i actually just thought of that it I would be fine with it is if they wanted to give Taika Waititi a, a uh, play version of the Thor franchise and let him play it out with Chris Hemsworth's brother and Matt Damon as Loki, yeah. like they do in the movies. Yeah, it was nice I to see them back. That. I'm glad they survived. It, well, well I, I would watch that just from yeah. the perspective of that makes sense in a comedy way. And they're, 
it's almost the same thing as the people that want to hear the guy in uh, Ant-Man tell the entire history of the Marvel Universe and the movies the way he would do it in the Ant-Man movie with the people talking using his own words or whatever. And it's yeah. like, it, it, I, could, I could deal with that because that's not a legit, hey, I'm trying to tell this story and like it's it's the weird it's like why doesn't steak and chocolate taste good? Gonna, it, 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 you know, it's the whole we're, we're cramming two serious storylines into something, yeah. but we're not going to make them serious in any way, shape, or form for any longer than five minutes, and we're going to just go into the craziness and keep making the carnival ride go round or whatever. No, this so it's like I'd rather see the Taika Waititi stage plays of the Thor franchise. And let somebody else come in and do the Thor movies and have them have some weight and some depth versus the comedic version that we got here. No, like you guys have said, I think this all boils down to it needed to be two movies. And I would have liked this one to really be the God Butcher, you know, Mighty Thor in it, helping Thor out. Like, that's how he tips the scales is because he's got Mighty Thor. And I would have saved the cancer reveal all the way to the final battle. And then your second movie is all the ramifications of that, and that will mm-hmm. give everything time to breathe. Um, but even even if they don't have, just for conversation's sake, let's yeah. say they don't. Jane doesn't go to the last battle. Thor beats the God Butcher in all his darkness with a bunch of kids and stuffed animals, and and he wins. Mm-hmm. Like even that in itself just would have allowed so much more room for other things to breathe within right. the context of the story. Mm-hmm. Nope, completely agree. Um, real quick, ha- especially for our comic aficionado down there, um, is is Korg a comic character, or is he an MCU-only character? He is a comic character. I've never actually read the comic he's from. He's okay. from Planet Hulk, I believe. Right. Uh, I did see the um, animated movie of that. Yeah, I don't um, remember Korg in it, though. And he's but... significantly different from my understanding. Yeah. I, I'm s- disappointed. That sounds weird because I don't want anybody to die, but I'm disappointed that they didn't kill him. Because no, You know why they did that, though, right? Why is that? Because he stands there with a ball two feet above his head that they have to look at and talk to and you can tell that he did that for like the first half an hour of the movie and literally he was like I'm not doing that anymore <laughs> just just put a fake green uh, Jim Carrey mask on the back uh, uh, highlighter style mask on the back of her backpack or her hat or hair mm-hmm. and we'll just edit that in later that's, that's how it read to me like yeah. he was just sick of being in the movie that's possible I just I would have had more respect for it if they had just killed him there instead of like, no, I've still got my face stone, so I'm completely good. And I don't think they ever really explained how he, like, reformed or anything. Nope. I, I just, like... See, and that brings me to my major point. I did enjoy this movie. I thought it was fun. I 100%. have it. I had it somewhere around the middle of the MCU. It's probably a little mo- lower now that I've thought about it more. It might reevaluate when I watch it again, but uh, it's pointless. Yeah. Uh, other isn't than introducing <coughs> the, the isn't daughter, that sad? isn't that sad though, Jesse? Because right. it's pointless. Yeah. But the things, 
the things that it introduces are go away anyway, outside of literally a two second scene of him and a new Thor chick jumping at the a girl, yeah. little girl mm-hmm. at the end. Like that literally is the only point of the entire movie. Yeah, because right. even even Jane dying, you immediately see her at the gates of Valhalla, and you know they do the text as the screen goes black. Thor will return. Which, obviously, I took it as the mighty Thor, because, like, obviously Chris Hemsworth Thor is going to return. He's fine at the end of the movie. So mm-hmm. it's like, you even pulled your punch there, where instead of having this big, meaningful death scene, and, like, that's where we're left, and Thor being able to move past her death, it's like, oh no, her she's training with Heimdall, and we're going to see them all again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel Multiverse of Madness was a lot this other than setting up America's powers, which yeah. I like that character. I'm glad to see her in the MCU. I think because they've officially now said this is the multiverse saga, she's going to have a bigger part to play. Yeah. But I feel like most of the stuff in that movie, other than killing off Wanda, which I'm 100% like. It's almost like the mutants in the comics now. We're like, oh, death doesn't matter. I mean, it never mattered for mutants, really. But at least we're like, well, okay, they're going to wait a couple years to bring them back. Now it's just like, oh, no, throw them in a golden egg and regrow them and they'll be fine. Like, We never, yeah, like we still never saw a body in Multiverse of Madness. I'm just going to say. Well, and there was that red energy blast right. when the thing collapsed. But at least, that, at least that felt like it progressed Doctor Strange. You know, he's, you know, he's becoming a better person, you know what I mean, compared especially to his other multiversal selves. Like, I'm not saying it was a huge growth, but there was some growth. True. Whereas with Thor, looking at it critically, and same thing, like, I, I know it sounds like we're just bashing on this movie, but I enjoyed it from beginning to end. I just, I have lots of questions about it and things that don't add up in-universe. But by the end of the movie, you could say he actually regressed more than he grew, and that's weird for Thor because he's had such a great, strong character arc, if nothing else, throughout the first three movies. Well, I just wish they would have played up, if they were going to end it with him being a father figure to this little girl, Yeah, have established that earlier where he's struggling with becoming a father figure, not just like, oh, and everything was fine, and he's like, immediately knows how to be the charming dad and tie her shoes and... Right. Like, well, uh, they they did in the movie, but they did it really clumsily with him trying to make the kids feel better. Right. And, and uh, like, I know uh, Jesse and I, we talked about it a little bit since seeing the movie before we recorded, but... Yeah, like, they, they even played those for laughs. Like, they have uh, Valkyrie, like, you know, using her, her hair to make him have an itch on his nose, and he's looking stupid in front of the kids when he's trying to make them feel better. And even in those moments, he always has that, like, bro, you know, bro for bravado yeah. in, instead of, like, at least at the end of the movie, the one thing I, I did like about that was... Like, he's helping her get ready. They're having the typical father-kid argument. You're not wearing that out. Oh, yes, I am. And, you know, and they're doing the whole that yeah. thing. And then and then I did like him doing the whole, you know, any kids that you see getting picked on, make sure that you, you take them aside and you take care of them. And, you know, and he's doing that, like, speech that you want to make your kids 
be better people to others and, you know, not make them feel excluded or whatever. But it's like that whole thing to me, which I liked, I'm like, where did that come from? Because nowhere in this movie did that really, like, it would have been nice for him to have that moment dealing with those kids and, and like, you know, Jane even doing the whole, can you at least try to make them feel safe right now? Can you at least try to make them feel braver and, and stronger? And, and that leading into him doing the actual, you know, for a limited time only, you have the power of Thor moment, which I, I gotta admit, I, I took, uh, Hayden with me. He's five. That moment set him over the edge and he cheered his little butt off. He yeah. couldn't get over that the kids got to be Thor and fight back the things that scared them. And I'm like, I was right there cheering with him too. That was one of my absolute favorite moments and a well done moment. I don't care what anybody says, like if it was if it was good or not, because it paid I, off I, the oh, way it needed to with the person the, it was aimed at. So, so the thing exactly. So the thing with that is, so is that they should have they should have said it like it could have been set up better. So at the I, end of I Ragnar- yeah. at the end of Ragnarok, when his dad whispers to him, like you're like. You're not the god of hammers, like, yeah. and he, like explains that to him. Yeah. We were revealed to another side of Thor, where it's like it's not the weapon; it's mm-hmm. him. Yeah. So I feel like between that moment and the kid sharing power moment, there should have been a connection there somewhere along. Whether it was in this movie or a previous one, where like we see him yeah. show this ability to some he- degree. That he did sort of he did the the in, in the incantation he did on Yolnir to keep Jane safe was the foreshadowing of him being able to do that for the kids. True. But it was done in such a clumsy way that it didn't okay. make it didn't add up to that being the solution he needed. There, it was more he was protecting somebody he cared about, just like he's trying to protect the kids. Huh. But it was like this, if you didn't think about that, it would be like a, well, where did that come from? And right. in the moment, for me at least, I, I remembered that. I'm like, that's great. Yeah. And the whole moment was really good. It, it might have been a little too long at points, well, but I still thought it was great that the kids got to fight back because oh, they've been in captivity. How about if they had even move. set it up like we were talking about earlier? I think it came from Jesse in the comics, like... If you set up that Thor had faced Gore as a kid, then you'd have this whole thing at the end where he's giving these kids the power to fight back against the thing he was scared of that he couldn't fight back against. There you dude, go. Dude, See, dude, and Jesse, you're up? No, go, yeah. go ahead. But yeah, dude, they, like, literally him saying, and yeah. we have that flashback scene, and him saying the phrase, like, I, I want to be honest with you children. Yeah. I was your age once, and I had my power, and I couldn't beat this guy. Right. But I think we can. Right, yeah. And, like, for, for him a- to admit his defeat as a young child or whatever to these little kids and then share his power with them. Yeah. So so the connection with – the connection that Sean was saying about with the, with the, um, the fatherly figure, mm-hmm. there are so many beautiful mother moments with Thor, father mm-hmm. moments with Thor – brother moments with Thor mm-hmm. that they could have drawn from yeah. to give him that father, that, right. that ne- I'm taking the next steps in my progression of a human where like literally like, and I know you guys always, everybody laughs at me because my dad died, but just joking. Um, 
so like, but like you, the progression, like right. my father passed away. Like I'm playing softball on this camp that I was at earlier today with all these kids. Yep. Like there's this progression of life that Thor yeah. has been on this beautiful journey. And even if it's a, even if it's a new flashback of him as a young adult, and then you like de-age Anthony Hopkins and like yeah. you have young Thor with the de-aged Anthony Hopkins, like, and they have this father son moment with him and Loki. That's like, and, and Thor's like, it's triggering Thor's memory when he's dealing with these kids. And he's like, wait a minute, I've got to be that voice right now right. to these kids. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it, you, there was so much more to draw from. Well, it, it would have been great if they if they had a moment with him and Jane. Because, like, you could not go to Valkyrie or Korg out of his group and have that moment. It would have been, it, Jane is the closest to a grounded character that it would have worked for him to be human with her and be vulnerable and open. Right. They have already been together. So, like, the idea, you know, like, them catching up and him talking about, you know, well, uh, you know, I lost my mother, I lost my father, I lost Loki and all this stuff, and have him going through the losses that he's been dealt throughout these movies and having her, you know, seeing that loss in him and all that stuff, and then later when it comes time to fight Gore and have to save those kids... Him doing the whole, my father would have had a great line to say here. He would have motivated them. He would have had a speech that would have made yeah. them scream and and all and 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 her going, well, he, we don't have your father, but we have you. Okay. And have him looking at all the stuff he's been through and seeing Loki get killed by Thanos in his head again. And it's like this is the moment he can take back the same as him being able to cut off Thanos's head, but too late. This is his moment to fix that. Right. This is his reckoning again, and he can do it, and these kids can be safe at least, even though he couldn't save Loki the first time. And it's like there, there is a great way to play all those things up and have this be a cathartic event for him and like have that bookend all of these events emotionally that have been dealt to him and that he's gone through. And uh, Taika just wants to have it be a roller coaster ride. Yeah. And, it, and, a, so and a carnival close. event, you know. It, yeah, there there are hints of this. There's scenes of these moments that what just us spitballing right now is showing. There are some really good moments in this movie, but they weren't given the chance to blossom into anything more than it's a seed of something that we're picking up and geeking out about. And the movie didn't give any any anything to that, at least not in a in a, in a substantial way. So. A thought that occurred to me based on something that Jesse said earlier. When was the last time we saw Sif in a movie? Was she, has she been in all of them? She was in the second one. She was not in Ragnarok. She was in a TV show, wasn't she? She was in Loki's um, memory prison. That's what it was. Okay, well, no, yeah. she, she yeah. technically was an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., but I think that came... That's not in 616 MCU... Anymore? Well, the movies are not 616 MCU anyway. Oh, no, sorry, they're not. But <laughs> They say they are, but they're not. Well, but I, that's why I said 616 MCU, because they're referring oh, to themselves. Oh, okay. MCU is referring to... Anywho, the movies and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. are no longer together in canon, I believe. I don't think anyone's officially confirmed or denied that, but the way Shield, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. ended makes me believe... Right. It. I I don't think they had gotten to the multiverse stuff yet, but it's another timeline. So, but so Sif popping back up out of nowhere, 
and being largely ineffectual or, or not not really a part of the storyline. Is this how they get Loki back in? Is this going to be revealed that that's actually Loki? Like after his? Absolutely not. Would you like? You were very disgusted at, when... at the potential for that. No, no, because because they've introduced um, Sylvie as the female Loki in one, the show. One of the variants, yes. Right. In in the storyline, like Loki, the 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 Asgardian gods, when the Asgard comes to Earth, it's like hovering over a town in New Mexico. Is it New Mexico or Arizona Oklahoma, or something? Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Yeah. And. Um, they, a lot of the gods, like the Asgardians, their spirits are disassociated from their bodies. They're in like other people. And like yeah. part of the story is Thor is trying to find them. Well, Loki wakes up in Sif's body, but because of the ways Loki manifests in Sif's body, no one recognizes it, Sif. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's when you get like the long black hair female Loki in the comics is because Loki's gotcha. running around in Sif's body. Um, I think this was... I feel really bad for Jamie Alexander. I like her as Sif. I, I feel like she really got shortchanged. Yeah, they've and, never yeah. done anything with her, and then they bring her back in this and still really don't do anything with her. It was kind of an I would choice. Yeah. But, I, I'm glad they at least showed that she was still alive. And that, you know, she didn't die like the other three and get turned into a joke. Yeah, that was but, disappointing. Um, yeah. So, so, so Jesse did a wonderful job at explaining very well um, to you, Dooch. I'm going to dumb it down. Um, Jesse's saying that when they take a storyline from the comic book and they retool it to the cinematic universe, they're probably not going to take that same storyline. So... Right. They retooled female Loki into the Loki show, and so they're probably not going to retool it a second time into Sif. That's what I guess. That's what I'm. I'm thinking you met, or are you were right. like that's yeah, Loki? yeah, yeah. That's what he said. I was just curious, it, and I didn't even dawn on me until he made the comment earlier in our episode that Lo- Loki was in Sif's body at one time because, like, it just right. in my mind it just triggered that like, well, that would give Sif a purpose in this movie. That she didn't right. actually well, have. Shif's, Sif's purpose in this movie was to say, like, oh shit, six times. Yeah. And I, like everybody I gotta, else. Like, I, I, I like Raphael. I respect it. If they would have given me the choice between Sif or Valkyrie, I would have picked Sif every day over Valkyrie because I, I wasn't even a big fan of her in the first go round in, in Ragnarok. And she didn't add much to the story here either. I mean, she added more to it in the last movie. This time around, it's like they could have just had her be a cameo. You see her looking bored being... Well, the, they made it seem like it was going to be a, a plot point that, like, she was bored not being a warrior and she exactly. was at the desk. And, like, yeah. they made a big... And I don't remember there even being a phrase uh, in this movie of her being, like, glad to be back on the battlefield. Like, that's some boring crap. Like... Well, I mean, if, she even went if on it a was, it wasn't cruise. memorable enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> basically, she and, got and on it's... the boat. She partied. Like, like I, I liked the idea of setting her up as as the new king. But then, when they turned 
I hated New Asgard being a theme park. I would have been okay <laughs> if there was like a town outside of New Asgard that humans turned into a theme park. But but even to- so, so even yeah, even you saying that like I have to preface I or or um, my my comment earlier. I see that as happening what they did with New Asgard, but I'm I'm I don't think that it really added anything relevant or good to this movie. The movie could have taken well, place all exactly other, the same. Other than showing how they kind of how they make their money, I guess, you know, because, you know, MCU always tries to be a little more realistic. So, well, like, trying to show an economy, um, a little lower, you're, you're way too this high. Is me, this is me making a jerk-off noise <laughs> explaining that. Because, it's, yes, whatever. And I guess I kind of looked at it as, like, that's like the... I mean, I guess technically they did show them sleeping in those buildings, but like, like that's the show they put on for the tour. Well, you know what I mean. Here's here's a plot point that just occurred to me in what they're setting up in this movie because the very beginning of the movie you have gore, and it's all about the belief. It's yeah. all about he believes in this god, and the god didn't do anything for him. But then the god's like, "Well, we're going to have others." There's going to be other people to replace you and your belief system, so why should I worry about one of you? And it would be kind of fun to have the reason that Gore is coming after Thor in this one is the fact New Asgard, New Asgard is now on Earth, and if they would have done it where New Asgard is its own thing, there's no theme park, but humans around the area are making a theme park because that now is a thing that they're adapting to on in their state. Right. Suddenly your belief system is off the charts. Suddenly there's people, because they've seen Thor fighting in New York. They've seen Thor in the Avengers movies. They were thrilled when Thor showed back up in Infinity War. That is now putting the target on Thor's back because Gore is seeing the belief going off the charts because every time Thor shows up, suddenly there are people rallying to him and believing in the Asgardians it's like, it's again like, and making them too powerful. It's like it's the like end you of thought about this for a couple minutes. Who would have thought, right? And that's the thing. Like it, it does come down to that belief structure in the very beginning of the movie and they don't want really to go there with anything else. So it's like, yeah. at least I, you could have played that up in that movie as like, okay, here's yeah. Here's the bad version of it. Gore's dealing with the bad version. And in, in New Asgard, there's a whole bunch of people that, like, you know, like Thor is now a celebrity. People are believing in the gods again on top of, you know, the, the typical religious stuff we have. Go for it, you know? Something's going on over here. I think Matt's having a no, I need I need Jesse to say what he was going to say, and then I'm going to follow up. Sorry. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know what I was going to say. I, I, I loved... Being a Christian, being a person of faith, seeing that opening scene where Gore is completely gutted by the being he believes in. Right. Yeah. Even though that guy was so hokey, like, I liked how hokey he was. I liked how hokey yeah. Zeus was. Because, like, Zeus constantly going, like, oh, we're going to have the orgy? Oh, we're going to have the orgy? Yeah. Like, that was funny because, like, my man. That Zeus, I mean, except <laughs> he wasn't, he wouldn't have been asking when it was going to happen. He would just. Right. Right. It's time. But like, never never has liked... Travis been more represented in a movie than <laughs> Lord of the Rings. I, just, I just liked <laughs> Yeah. Like I was like, oh, even though I felt the transition into the Oasis, like so much of this movie was just like it was like everything was like a step I missed steps between stuff. It's like watching a, a French movie 
adapted into English or reading a French comic that's been adapted into English where it's like, I kind of get what's going on, but like, I totally missed how they got from like Italy to England in a panel. It, it just, Bro. but like seeing that, that faith thing and yeah. setting that scene up was so powerful. And then it went nowhere. Right. Yeah. Okay. It's my turn. Dude. <laughs> All I'm saying is, like you, as a person of, of uh, Christian belief and faith, like, I am definitely, I err on the side of, like, I believe that there is a God and that any question is big enough and he can handle the weight of his shoulder. Like, I, so I definitely welcome any sort of discussion and theology debate and like i absolutely especially being a creative mind i adore those conversations i have with my friends that are believers non-believers and anywhere in between um and so that opening scene and to have a god act like that i'm like this is gonna be good like this is going to like touch a little bit of that that we don't get touched a a little bit and I mean that sounds dirty but no but, but that we don't that we don't like literally uh, captains like yeah. I know God ma'am and that's not how he dresses like type of thing mm-hmm. um, but like that it was going to go there and have like good discussion Yeah. and Sean what you said is like it set up that set it up so mm-hmm. much for it to literally be all these little kids looking at Thor treating him like a god and yeah. him to kneel down next to them and be like, dude, I might be like a god to you, but I am me. And like just to like just like that whole like reverse, like like flip it on its head, like and like you said, flip it on its head. Like, okay, we're gonna bring it back in full circle because that nighttime scene is crazy. I'm about to pitch a movie right here, guys. You need to go home and watch it at some point. Rise of the Guardians. Fantastic yeah. children's Same movie. Absolutely love how creative mm-hmm. it was, um, and that's who Gore was like in this movie, Pitch Black, where like he's looking at the belief system, and when people believe in the Easter Bunny and, and Christmas and everything, it lights up on this globe. Yep. And this God Butcher, like all of a sudden, new Asgard's like lighting up like a Christmas tree, and they've got a statue of Thor and like all this stuff. Yeah. And then when he goes to fight Thor, because all these people believe in him, and then Thor to be like, hey, like. I get it. I'm a God to them, but somebody's also a God to me, like, and how he treats Zeus. Like, there were so many missed opportunities storyline-wise to follow through with any of the one of the nine storylines that we've been talking about and Mm -hmm. just actually follow through with one of them to where it could be, like, this really cool moment of Thor saying... I'm not the God you think I am or whatever to these kids and then sharing his power or something along those lines. Like there, there, there was just that missed opportunity. So when the movie opened up that opening scene, it might be top five opening scenes, Marvel movies of me all time. Like I absolutely loved it because it made me uneasy. Like it made me feel weird about faith and about religion and about spirituality. Like I liked that about it. And so I just feel like that missed opportunity where like, like, yeah, he's a, he's a God butcher, but then you go back on it. Like, okay, let's talk about this guy. Like if he's a God butcher, are those really gods then? Because he's killed them all. So like, 
You know what I mean? Like that type of stuff. Like go deeper in any of these storylines and we've got a fantastic or a more fantastic well, movie. But right. if you say like douche, douche, say the phrase right now. Say the phrase right now. I love my wife and my new kitten. Say that phrase right now. I love my wife and my new kitten. Ah! Like, you were about to have a moment, and I threw yeah. the worst go imitation at you. <laughs> like, <laughs> hold on. Re- real quick before we get to the goats. So, and then, okay, so following your path, if we're going to do the whole reform the villain at the end thing, because heaven forbid we just have a good old-fashioned villain beatdown. We can't do that anymore. You know, we've got to have the villain see the error of their ways, reform, whatever. Why wasn't... wasn't Huh? He wasn't a real villain. Well, that's it. But, so why wasn't Thor and the kids enough to challenge Gore's belief system? Because his whole thing is his cruel god that forsook him and Mm -hmm. his people, and then he comes up against Thor, and all of a sudden, here's this god... That's doing everything for his people, for the kids. He's giving mm-hmm. them, he's sharing his power with them. He's putting his mm-hmm. life on the line for this. Why isn't that enough to make Gore I go, think, I think they wait a minute. They didn't make it, they didn't do it well enough, but I think it had to do with this. It was the sword that wanted to kill the gods, well, from what my recollection is. Right. But it all started with Gore being, he had oh, to be in sure. the right place to be the vessel for the sword. But I'm just saying, right. if you again, if you just lean into well, that with Gore starting to question his mission, because like, wait, this guy's like fighting for his people, yeah, and then that's why the sword starts losing its hold on him. You know, it, and again, it's all about right. challenging beliefs. It's all about maybe not all gods are the same. Maybe they're not. Maybe some are good. Some maybe some are are worthy. Ooh, yes. Imagine that. Yeah. Go and, ahead, I Jesse. Mean, t- no, Sean, go. No. Oh, I'm just saying to complete that part. Like <coughs> you, you have him. It, like it would have been nice to have the Necro Sword being the antithesis of Stormbreaker with yeah. Thor, and you have that sword pulling him in those negative, destructive ways, and he sees all those kids and the fact that there's Thor coming to rescue those kids. The God is there to protect his people, and it it shakes him to see like maybe his daughter he sees his daughter in the crowd yeah and all of a sudden it's like oh you know and it's like the 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 connection to the necro sword in him make it that he can't fight them at the end so it's not so much they have to defeat him it's more get the sword away from him and then he can just be reasoned with or whatever stormbreaker turns stormbreaker turns and looks at thor and Thor sharing his power, and Stormbreaker sheds a tear and is like, "That's my Thor." <laughs> like, stop, Sean. Will you stop? Re- wonderful plot points in this movie that could have been done better. Yeah. I'm sick of it. I'm sorry. Okay. I suck. Yeah. So back to my New Asgard yes. issue. Yeah. So you yes. have the the human town outside of New Asgard yep. that's that's worshiping them. Like everybody's there. And they've taken Thor's that's what heroes do to be like, oh, that's what gods do. That's what gods do. Mm-hmm. And that's like a recurring theme throughout yeah. the movie. And and Gore is like enraged by this. Right. In mm-hmm. the end, when Thor shares the power and the ki- one of the kids is like, yeah, you're sharing your power because that's what gods do. And he's like, no, that's what heroes do. And right. that's mm-hmm. that moment. Nice. That, like, 
obviously set it up a little better, but like something like that, because that yeah. goes back to Ragnarok. That it's you know, that would have right. that would have been your Avengers Assemble moment. Yeah, yeah like, that, that would have had me cheering because that was a it would have been a moment that was silly originally, taken in a way where now it's a rally cry. Yeah, and it's like it and, how cool and, was and that, still have you know? that fun and still have that fun weight to yes, sharing the power. Yes, where exactly. like he kneels down and he says no. That's what heroes do because guess what? All these little kids, they're never going to be gods. But guess what? They can be. They can be heroes. Yes. And, and Jesse nailed it on the head. And I think that that's the main word you used was that the word theme. Yeah. That this movie lacked any theme. It mm-hmm. literally, right. there were five to seven to nine different themes that it could have grabbed onto tighter yep. instead of trying to juggle nine of them. Mm-hmm. And it did not grab any of them strong enough. Yeah. It grabbed one strong enough. The goats? The goats. <laughs> I don't, Coming back around. I don't know what you see in them, honestly. I, I went into the movie like, <laughs> all right, Jesse loves I, these goats. And I'm just like, I don't see it. I have they, seen Jesse watch YouTube videos and laugh to the point where he honks. There's no other noise he can do, but he literally will just honk because when, goats when screaming make planet, him laugh. Oh. When they hit the planet, when they hit the planet, planet I lost it. When they I hit like, the planet, I lost myself. Like, I laughed and I looked around with the I'm sorry eyes. Yeah, no, like, when it, when it happened and you just hear that boom, and my, my son goes... Did they just kill the ghosts? And I, go, I think they did it. Then I just started laughing so much harder because I'm like, I didn't see that coming at all. Just that was the only moment that got me. I have <laughs> to ask you guys because we we barely touched on it. As soon as we we touched on it, Travis was mentioned. Yeah, sorry. The the <laughs> the whole God scene. Obviously, yeah. that was a scene that they went into this being like, this would be funny. Let's do this scene with the gods. Jesse, is that in any of the comic books? And guys, how did you feel about that scene? I I don't remember a scene like that in in these either of these stories. I know there was a scene where Jane's on like a a, a council with other the other realms, kind of kind of like a senator type thing for yeah. Earth, a representative for Midgard. But she's, I'm pretty, I can't remember if she was there as Jane or as Thor. But I don't remember a scene like this. I know Omnipotent City, I think, is from the comics. In that storyline, I think, because it goes the past Thor, current Thor, and then future Thor, where he, he looks like Odin and he's like all father Thor, which he kind of is now, technically. And he's got three granddaughters that are looking for history on how to defeat Gore. And I think they go to Omnipotent City, but there's only, like, one or two, like, wizened old, like, um, archivists in there. And it's all books, which is cool in the comics. Would have been boring as hell in the movie, especially the way this movie went. I I really liked the scene. I thought it was really well done. And I thought there was a good balance of... Like, obviously, Zeus was putting on a show, and, like, his whole thing with, like, no, yeah, obviously, like, you know, with Thor Private, he's like, yeah, yeah, like, Gore's gonna come and kill us, like, I'm gonna have some fun before that happens. Like, with them just kind of giving up, again, it kind of comes back to the whole belief thing, and how those gods are just 
you know, it plays in that theme we were just talking about. Those guys are all just kind of like, we're just going to hunker down and hope for the best for ourselves, whereas Thor's traveling out and saving his people. Like, again, there's that there's that paradox for Gore to, like, stop for a minute and go like, huh, what, why is he different, you know, and, and start yeah. to question the beliefs. Um, I was surprised they didn't have Gore crash that scene. That's what I kept expecting. Um, or what? Why Gore never went to um, Omnipotent City. Oh, oh, oh. I kept expecting it. Like, as they're going along, I thought that was going to be Thor's way out, is that Gore shows up and wrecks the place, and they're able to escape. Um, that was a little weird, but I, think, I, I, think I liked it. Honestly, him, Gore showing up and throwing a lightning bolt through Zeus is more compelling end scene to that scene for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that scene, it should have played out. They go there and they see all these vessels, all these things, almost like at the beginning of um, Never Ending Story, where you see all the beings coming to the Emperor's yeah. palace or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, they're trying to put on airs that they're, oh, right. we're just having fun. And, you know, that whole facade. And, like, Thor's looking around and they're like, there's, there's guards everywhere. And this place looks filled, right. but there's, like, there were too many gods there. Like, it should have been a I, bit emptier with all the dead. It should have been right? emptier. There should have been mm-hmm. like this weird sense of dread if there's this god butcher and the place looked packed and it looked like any other day. Right. Right. Um, I think they you know, tried to do no, that a little bit. There, there was no fear from, from that standpoint. If it, if it would have been a third at full and them to plead like and somebody to say to Zeus like, Look, this place is empty. Like you're you, again, it play, it plays better. Him him explaining it to to Zeus plays better in that sense of hey, this place is empty. Um, you know, we got to do something about this guy. Uh, but then also again, going back to the whole God Man Hero thing, that the echoing of like they had that mini story yeah. thread where you have him being let down by his hero, mm-hmm. and like th- right. that was it. Like, there was no fulfillment of why they gave us that moment. Like, I get why they gave us that moment, but you need to resolve that moment. Like, you need to have well, him... Good. No, no, you're, you're good. Um, you have Thor having that moment where he realizes, like, yeah. he's disappointed. And maybe you set something up. That's how where Gore knows to go. Yeah. Is when people are losing faith in their gods, he goes and, like just dispatches their gods for them, and that's what draws Gorda and Nippets and City and kills Zeus. That would have been cool. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, because because all yeah, because because obviously a god a god uh being disappointed in, in who his god is, so and so the hero, like that probably would echo more in the heart of this sword that he has, because that's like, you know, ten thousand cries of a you know fallen faith people, you know, yep. type of thing. The only part of that scene that even mattered was the fact that Zeus actually tips his hand and admits Gore can't get to eternity, and so they have nothing to worry about. And it just seemed like such an out-of-left-field thing. Like, I get Zeus would know that because he's the god. I get that. But it's like, to have that be such a thrown-out line there... And that now is, oh, it's a race against time to get to an eternity so that we can make a, the wish, the one wish and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, okay, we're going there now on top of everything else we're throwing into the mix with this 
the soup we're making or the stew. And it just, it, it's like, it could have been done differently. And I, I do like the idea better. Like Jesse's saying, you know, it should have looked depleted and it would have been a cool way. Like, like Matt saying, to have, have Gore crash that party, have it that Zeus is about ready to have the orgy. Yeah. And then boom, all hell breaks loose. Thor manages to get away. The rest of them end up being cannon fodder. When he's left behind, or that's how he finds out about eternity, right. and then you realize now the race is on. Thor's got to get there first. He's got a little bit of a head start because he is now getting out of there while Gore is killing everybody. But now Gore is right there after him, you know. And okay, there's so, a whole bunch of ways it could have played out. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, so I'll ask you guys this then too. With that scene followed into to the next one, is that. It seemed like the one story thread that now I'm thinking about that he did follow through with sort of didn't even really need, like, Stormbreaker was jealous. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then Stormbreaker ended up being what was needed to get there, blah, 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 blah. Like, it was linchpin, like, and I don't know if that was, like, some weird ancient text of a picture of Stormbreaker or whatever uh, Gore was looking at, but apparently Stormbreaker was the key, which is fine. But Stormbreaker being a jealous hammer going into Stormbreaker's now the key that needs to that they need to use seems like a story thread that they actually followed through with. But yeah, did did it need to? Is that com- comic uh, accurate? Is was it like just something that they just decided? Oh, this would be cool if Stormbreaker is the key because he's jealous hammer. You know what I'm saying? Well, it's not the jealous hammer, right? It's because he's imbued with the power of the Bifrost. And the Bifrost is Correct. lost now that Heimdall's gone. Correct. And and yeah. is that comic is that comic accurate? Because when, when he was looking when Gore was looking at the pic, the pictures, the ancient runes, what they appeared to be ancient runes, like I was like, wait a minute, didn't they just make that hammer like That's, years ago? Like, Yeah. I have I mean, a simple workaround that could have been should have been explained is that like that was a prophecy. Yeah. Oh, okay. This that was some sort of predictive thing. So, like, yeah, Stormbreaker, Stormbreaker didn't exist when they wrote that, but someone had a vision of it okay. being the key. And I, maybe I, that's a thing when you see maybe some of these gods, when Thor walks into Omnipotent City with Stormbreaker on his back, they're all like, oh, the prophecy that's, is the, that's the thing. Yeah or, yeah. or if you have Gore explain, like, he's looking at the, these ancient runes or these relics and everything, and it shows the Bifrost. Yeah. And he's like, well, how is this possible? Because the Bifrost is gone. Like, that's gone. Like, the way Heimdall used it, like, that's right. gone. And then when Gore's in that city near mm-hmm. the beginning, and he sees Thor come down, and he sees the rainbow, he's like, I've got an yeah. in now. I, right. I, I might have an in. So just a little bit more explanation there I thought would have gone a, a long way or you could even you could even echo back to Ragnarok again, you know, where Gore realizes, oh, the Bifrost comes from Asgard. Right. Wait, Asgard isn't a place. Asgard is people, and that becomes a threat, mm-hmm. like an ominous line. Right. What do you guys think about? And that's uh, what takes him to oh. Asgard to start looking for Thor. Sorry. No, that would tie it in much better. What do you guys think about uh, Hercules? Showing up. Or Second best part of the movie. <laughs> God, he looked like he just stepped out of the comic page, didn't he? 
I was. I can't remember surprised. the actor's name. Well, his name's Roy Kent. I don't care what the actor's <laughs> name is. Fucking everywhere. He's <laughs> fucking Roy Kent. I, I don't know if you guys have seen inter- interviews with him, but I, I learned uh, recent, not very recently, but he's one of the writers on the show on Ted Lasso. And oh, I didn't know he's a writer. When they were doing auditions for Roy Kent, he was flying back to England or and where he's from, and he realized he's like, I think I'm Roy Kent. And so he filmed himself doing some bits and some lines of it right. and sent it to the other writers and emailed and said, hey, I know this sounds weird. Obviously, I'm not an actor. I'm a writer like you guys. But I think I'm Roy Kent. <laughs> and then they saw the videos. They're like, yeah, you're, you're fucking Roy Kent. Yeah. It, his name is Brett Goldstein, but he is only Roy Kent to me. That's, yeah. 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 Um, Soon to be heard. I, I thought he was fantastic i i would be curious to see what they do with them but at the same time i i'm really scared if there's a thor 5 because i don't want thor 5 to be more taika watiti so hopefully they have somebody who i don't mind if there's comedy at points i don't mind if there's like an adventurous lighter feel to some of these movies but i'd like it to actually like like jesse said it really amounted to not much so at least have it have some substance to it the next time around because this one kind of proved you can't just put a Marvel Studios logo at the beginning of the movie and have people think that it's the greatest thing because this one proved you can't just throw whatever out there and everybody's going to just be thrilled with it. So far with Phase 4, I think that that's their main issue is that they think that fluff all individually is going to be good enough, and the point of everything is going to be handled in the the bigger movie moment, the bigger movies, like the the team-up type stuff, uh, like the Kang movies coming up and all that stuff. Yeah. Like, I just feel, I feel like the moments that grew it the past 10 years in the first three phases, they just held so much more weight where you're watching all these TV shows and these handful of movies, and like um, Jesse was saying with Doctor Strange, that outside of Introducing a girl with new fantastical right. powers, like it, I mean, and Doctor Strange is going to be less of a dick because he met more of a dick of himself. Like, you know what I mean? Like, well, that's, it, well, thing that makes me nervous is they're coming out with that Secret Invasion uh, show, and right. and the that show. The more I'm thinking about Phase Four. I mean, in the comics, they were like, well, if you look at the way that the characters have been portrayed in the last 10 to 15 years, you're going to notice some inconsistencies, and those are the characters you want to look for when uh, the Secret Invasion miniseries comes out. That's making me go, okay, so is this like the fact that Doctor Strange isn't landing well with people the way that they hope? Same with Thor. Is that going to lead up to, all of a sudden, their scrolls? And I hope to God they're not doing that with these movies in that way. But it wouldn't surprise me if they're like, well, we don't really have a plan other than Secret Invasion or Secret Wars coming down the pipeline, too. It's like, okay, let's do some stuff where it is a little bit off. And then we can go, oh, well, it was a scroll the whole time. And then it's like, well, then why did I pay freaking like 20 bucks to go see this movie knowing that isn't even the real character I wanted to see, you know? It'll be interesting to see where it's all going. I think that that is the biggest problem is by this point, like, 
in phase one, we understood that the Infinity Stones... I mean, long before this yeah. point, really, because if you factor in the movies and the TV shows, like, we have more content right now, I would say, than, like, phase one alone. And yeah. yet we still don't have a clear picture of where it's going. It's multiversal, it's king, it's, you know, scrolls have to play a part, you would think. Um, then we've got, you know, the the Celestials, you know. Obviously we are, this phase is leaning into, you know, the mythic, the galactic, you know. Big picture, yeah. But those, the, the more, yeah, hey, the more power hey. sets, but... <laughs> You're still way too Listen. high, buddy. Way too Listen. high. Listen. <laughs> all I'm saying... It's by my face. All I'm saying... <laughs> You'd never I'm get it up there. Is that literally, literally... Yeah. Eternals. Freaking scrolls. Yep. Multiverse. Right. Secret invasion. Kang mm-hmm. timelines. Yeah. Like, these are all different things that are done well separate. Yeah. Right. And they've sort of went like this with all of them and so that's where the confusion is coming right where like okay king's timeline stuff which okay so are we talking timeline multiverse or are we just talking timeline stuff like like right. so interdimensional like so there's they definitely are playing very loose handed with the lore yep. and so for them to even dabble in secret wars or a secret invasion while they're doing timeline and multiverse stuff, yeah. to me is a it's a it would be like and this is I've had this conversation with you guys before. X Men's next to He Man, X Men's my favorite. I could talk about X Men all day long. I absolutely love it. I don't want mutants in the MCU for at least another ten years, personally, right. because I think there's way too much stuff that we can talk about and do, and it adds way too many layers of questions and inconsistencies yeah, for sure and so and so that's that's where i don't think they're smart enough to to be like oh well that was a scroll back then like i think that they hinted at that a little bit with fury and a couple of little minor yep. points yeah but i just think that they're not overseeing the projects quite as tightly as become so good that right. they technically don't because well, now we're going we're going multi Universal in the sense of, like I tell people all the time, Miss Marvel might not be for you. Like, like the, yeah. the MCU itself has become so big that you might not like every single offering that it has. Right, and that's yeah. okay. But you need to be okay with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, right. it, the other, like right now, we have this. It, to me, this is a lull period, which is yeah. really weird because the, you can't really point. Like you said, that you can't point at one thing and go, this is the next event because there's too many things going on. Right. And it's like the saving point for me at this point is when the X-Men finally show up or when the Fantastic Four shows up. And I'm not even the biggest Fantastic Four person. I'm way more X-Men than anything, even including <laughs> Avengers. Yeah. Growing up, the X-Men was always my thing. And it's like, you got to already figure that's the next 10 to 15 years worth of Marvel movies coming out the minute the X-Men show up. Because that's going to be the new Avengers from here on out. I'd almost like them, since we're playing with multiverse anyways, like, just make a mutant universe. Like, just let them... 
Because, I mean, the X-Men have enough on their own for solo yeah. movies, team movies, Absolutely. big events, you know. Like, just and let that's, them, that's the thing. Let oh, them exist on their own world without the other heroes, and you've still got a whole X-Universe, you know, XCU. So, and it'll be, it would be fine without any of the other heroes. I don't know what's going on right now. That, that's my that's my mutant gene. Um, <laughs> the X Men at their heart, yeah, at the heart of X Men, it doesn't translate to MCU right now because. And I was talking to my buddy about this. Um, God bless him. I can't even think of his name right now. Uh, Len Len Laguardia. Ah, okay. That right now, if Peter Parker is swinging. And Miss Marvel is flying over here. Peter Parker being not a mutant and Miss Marvel being a mutant. Did he just leave? I'm trying to talk to this. <laughs> He's having a coffee fit. Hang on one second. Speaking of Len. No, but but because of those two things, because at because at its core, the prejudice and the racism and the feeling like an outsider and the feeling disenfranchised and disconnected and and all of that wonderful stuff that youth can just just eat up because that's kind of what the youthful spirit feels like at certain times and i mean all of us at certain times but definitely that adolescence that stuff doesn't translate because there's no way i'm really believing that they're trying to round up miss marvel when iron man's a billionaire that we already know who he is and he flies around town and we know you know what i'm saying like yeah. it just doesn't it doesn't hold any of the actual weight that the original intention was there for and so wow. that's why i struggle with them trying to integrate it is i'm like they were t- i don't know how caught up spoilers alert you guys are on miss marvel or if you even watched it but like they have the oh, like so- the fbi ish kind of people they're like these people are different we're gonna try to find them and round them up and i get what they're doing in the show but in my head, this is the MCU, and you've already established rules. I'm like, why? Like, yeah. I don't see them always chasing Spider-Man. Like, I don't see them, oh, like, all of a sudden now we're going to have problems with people that are born with abilities, but we're not, you know what I'm saying? So I just, it, that's the I, part that, that's the part that I don't think there's a script good enough that will convince me that mutants will work at the level I would like them, and I've seen them work. True. I wouldn't be surprised if we see them bring out either a the Ultimates timeline concept where the government created mutants. Oh, spoiler alerts! Um, that's or, been like twenty years old. I don't know if that's a spoiler anymore, dude. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean that that was interesting because like the yeah. mutants existed for a long time and then it got outed after the after or during the Ultimatum wave that the. Um, I did. Ultimatum storyline that the mutants were actually manufactured by the government, and so I must like, not have made it that far. I followed that one, that X Men. That was the one X Men book I followed for a long time. That was like the last thing before they started calling them like the ultimate. Like everything was called like Ultimate Comics X Men, Ultimate Comics Miles uh, Spider Man. Yeah, yeah. it, it was like the the end of the Ultimates era. But especially since they're gearing towards Secret Wars, guarantee you it's going to be more like the two thousand. Eight two thousand not eight two thousand thirteen whatever that Secret Wars was just a couple years ago, 
more than the 80s one. Um, where all the realities get fractured into battle world. Doom is like God Doom, but they it'll either be Doom or Kang, depending on how that plays out. Right. And then at the end, the you know the different universe. So my thought is, for the mutants, they'll either be government made, or they'll get transported here from another reality, or they'll have been here but in secret, and then something happens in the universe that brings them to light that now triggers the government specifically and, looking and, and for some mutants. people were thinking like the snap and like the, the yeah. snap back yeah. might have been it and, and uh, different things like that um yeah we'll we'll see well roy, it, can't. It, roy can't but uh the other thing too i mean civil war already showed us that the government wanted to wanted to have the heroes under their thumb Right. And so that's already been established enough that I I don't mind the idea that that was enough of a step in that direction that the government would see it as a threat. And now all of a sudden we can't even regulate this because they're born like this. And that is a problem. And there is certain things that still like today there are the, you know, you, you have to deal with race issues. You have to deal with even sexuality issues, you know, homosexuality by whatever. And it's like that whole idea of some of this is not a choice that you made. It's just that's how you were born. And boom. Well, and so in that way, it, 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 to me, it still tracks. It's just not as prevalent the way that you want it to see. I, I get that. But it, it is stuff that they began, uh, at least. There are seeds. Right. Because so. the government has no way of tracking who gets bitten by a radioactive spider or who puts yeah, on a magic yeah. bracelet that they can find this genome and isolate it and then start searching you know through medical records looking for this mutant gene you know that gives you your why as to why they're hunting down mutants because that's something like you've had blood work done as a kid they can check it and they can find it and they can utilize you effectively is the yeah. ultimate goal. Oh yeah, you need an extra vaccination that the other kids aren't getting. Right. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go to a special school. I'm not what? wearing a mask. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to unprotect your identity, you will. No, but, but see, there are things that could definitely set up mutants as a threat because if if, yeah. Okay, you guys got you guys convinced me. I, okay, I'm in. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just. Have you guys all seen the Black Panther trailer for Wakanda yeah. Forever? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. <clears throat> They're bringing in Namor in the comics. Yep. They've revealed he is a mutant. So if Wakanda goes to war with Atlantis or whatever they've renamed it, which I'm totally fine with, I'm all on board for reimagining it as uh, uh, Mayan or Central South American culture. I think that's yep. really cool. Wait, did you? Um, yeah, no, that's awesome. I think it's. I was going to ask you because you follow the comic books more. You think it, that it was interesting that they um, they're copying DC Comics by making him a little bit more ethnic. Sorry, that joke didn't work. No, <laughs> it's actually been said he's not white to begin with in the comics. No, I, I looked I that yeah. up out of curiosity, and yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. And I, yeah, I, I, think I think he. Looks, Atlant- I think he looks fantastic. Yeah. I think he looks fantastic. And I think the Atlantis rename is to distance it from like anyone can use Atlantis. Like let's yeah. get our I own think, 
thing. You know, I think they're going to establish that this is the culture that inspired the the, the myth oh, of yeah. Atlantis. I wouldn't yeah. just like. I mean, whoever wrote whatever ancient historian wrote the stuff that yeah. people took to become Atlantis. Uh, right. Some people have compared that to cultures in South America or Central America. I can't remember exactly where. You're like, oh, that could be these cities, and he could have seen these things or been told about these things that people saw. I'm like, and, okay, South America, Central America, Atlantis, beautiful. And I'm betting there will even be a gag line in there like, are you from Atlantis? You know, and we call it whatever, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if Namor is established as a mutant or revealed to be a mutant, you've got Wakanda goes to war with them or gets attacked yep. by them. Into the whole world's like, you just took out the most advanced culture on our planet. Mutants are bad. Like they could uh, uh, catalyst this very quickly. I'm with you. I want to see them do it right. I'd be fine waiting another ten years for the X Men to come in properly because they are my favorite comics of all time. Not currently, but I knew I knew I loved you. <laughs> <laughs> but at least you have those, the those Fox people. movies to go back to and what Fox movies. Even I'm, even I turned my head, it nose up at those. To be honest, hey, be, hey, let's get let's get back to Thor here just for a quick Thor. second. Though. <laughs> I had the idea. I think I talked to Jesse about it, but Dooch, I want to pitch you. I want to pitch you an idea. Pitch me. I took my parking. I took my parking brake off for a second there. I started rolling. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so this movie, this movie was supposed to be two movies. <clears throat> yes. Jane doesn't show up at the end. Okay. Thor wins. With okay. the kids, we yep. have great father, daughter, father, kid relationship yep. stuff. Conquering your fears, all that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Jane doesn't show up, so she's not dead. Right. So next movie comes, and because I think I think Russell Crowe did a fabulous job with Zeus's accent mm-hmm. and his voice. Oh yeah, I have five five percent left. I love it. And um, uh, if the way Zeus tells Hercules who to go beat up is a beautiful blonde with a hammer <laughs> and he actually th- he actually so you have Hercules trying <coughs> to hunt down Jane nice. instead of actually Thor yeah because because guess what guess who's going to make Thor look not as dumb Hercules I love and him. I think that I think that Roy Kent could have pulled that off I love it. Absolutely. And you could have had him running into Odin's son Thor because he has an axe, not a hammer. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Like, hey, I'm looking for this thing. He's like, oh, yeah. Like, and Thor being completely oblivious, confused, mm-hmm. like not realizing he's talking about Jane. And it's like a buddy trip with them. And they're like, oh, wait, you're trying to kill my ex-girlfriend. Dude, oh, my <laughs> gosh, that would be hilarious. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, the movie we could have gotten. Yeah, no kidding. Two movies we could have got. Yeah. <laughs> so, overall. All right, Marvel. All right, Marvel. If you're listening to this podcast, just give me a call. <laughs> Jesse and I will be on the next flight to Taiki's house. By yeah. the way, earlier, I called it PSD. I, I'm i aware of it, guys. So, PTSD, so you know, yeah. <laughs> I know you guys heard me say PSD, and I know I sounded like a fool. It's fine. We're used to it with you. I do want to say, I think Taika Waititi was totally capable of making this the movie it it should have been. I mean, between Hunt for the Wilder People and um, 
Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he can make serious content. I think this was just... They were all having such a good time. And... The whole cast. You know, I can almost I can almost hear Matt Barry that whole thing like yeah. oh he's my favorite guy my uh, whatever that I can't remember what that quote is Sean probably knows it he, he's hearing it in perfect. I'm just I'm just imagining he's my good time boy like, my my <laughs> something cheese or something like that but Jane I thought you were dead <laughs> just doing that whole thing yeah I just uh... they just seem to it, it's almost like. Oceans 11, 12. Oceans 11, 12? Oceans 11, 12. 12. 13? 15? Whatever. Where yeah. the, joke was, the joke was on us, the audience, yeah. because there was no way you could have figured that movie out. In the first one, there was little hints here and there mm-hmm. that you could have pieced. At the end of the second one, it was just kind of like, <laughs> you know, yeah. the suckers never saw it coming. And mm-hmm. No, it's definitely... Uh, Love and Thunder is definitely... A good, enjoyable movie. I'll watch it again. Like, I I did enjoy it. It's got some great scenes, and it was so close to knocking the storyline out of the park. That that's, that's the most disappointing part, is that you you were so close to an epic movie, you and finish. you fell short. I, mean, mm-hmm. I always and, and finish. And what I will say to you, <laughs> what, what I say, what I say to you guys is, and we've, we've had discussions about the rewatchability of movies. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I'm gep- genuinely interested in seeing this the second time yep. because the category of re- rewatchability definitely changes my positioning on how I feel um, about certain movies. Absolutely. Same. Yeah. Sure. I've rewatched Multiverse of Madness twice, once with my mom, once with a reaction person on YouTube. Um, I got my my uh, pre-order steelbook in the mail the other day and I have not taken it out of the shrink wrapper yet it usually doesn't Has, make it home without being open yeah um, so that's just it, it has not won you over at all huh no I like I'm not as angry about it as I was when I first saw it but yeah. I don't like it anymore but you still bought the steelbook Strange I, just never was a solo movie guy to me. He was. Yeah. De- I, I always same with Namor though. I always loved him interacting. I just was never. A, I just was never convinced that the character of Doctor Strange by himself can. And obviously, they realize that too because right. they have to make it into a buddy comedy or a buddy uh, uh, a buddy movie. You know, with him, and he needs he needs those interactions. Where and we've talked about that before with certain characters and certain elements that you some things can hold weight on their own and be completely like, dude, Captain America. I know he had side characters in that movie, but like that was an Indiana Jones movie to me. Like mm-hmm. Captain America, he, he can hold it down. You know, Namor, not so much. To no. me, in my opinion, Doctor Strange, not so much in my opinion. And that's why you're seeing these movies becoming more and more, you know, like Doctor Strange had Scarlet Witch, had America Chavez, you know, like there's very few solo movies anymore, really, when you break it down. Most of it uh, through the last phases has been, you know, even Captain America, he got one movie to himself and then everything else was kind of pushing the, the, you know, the Avengers storyline along more than anything else. So, 
that's just kind of where Marvel's come, and that's what's so weird about this phase where we don't have a clear picture yeah. yet. Marvel, Marvel as a studio is now where Thor was at the beginning of his first movie. Yep. They're going to get brought low, and I'm not wishing this. I'm not saying bad things, but they're they're going to hit some low spots, and then they're going to earn their way back up. I, like I have, I don't want to get my hopes up and get disappointed, but that Black Panther trailer, even if it wasn't a Marvel movie, just looks like a fantastic. Like I am, I almost started tearing up in that trailer, and for a trailer to hit me that hard on, on basically Prozac, that's doing something. <laughs> And 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 so with that, for me, I adored Chadwick as mm-hmm. as uh, Black Panther. Like the fact that we're not going to get to see him square off against Daredevil or him square off against Namor, mm-hmm. like that definitely like makes my heart ache a little bit. Yeah. But you know that the crew and the cast and everyone involved in the Black Panther universe in itself is going to do what they can to make it the most respectful and most uh, honoring transition. So I'm really looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. And at the end of the day, I don't... It's not that I don't care. It doesn't matter to me who takes on the mantle of Black Panther going forward after this movie. I'm fine if it's Shuri, if it's Riri, even though I'm pretty sure they're going to turn her into Ironheart because she has her show coming. I, to me, it doesn't matter who takes on the mantle. Mbaku, Mbaku, that would be great. I, I, I'm down for whoever that is it is. But Mbaku, Mbaku, yeah. Or am I saying it wrong? Uh, close enough for me. Oh, bye, Matt. It is five percent. Go. Is that what so, he said earlier? <laughs> he said yeah. it was at five percent or earlier. So. <laughs> just, just All real right. quick, I just thought of. I thought of one thing that maybe might have helped Jesse with Doctor Strange, even though I'm not interested in trying to convince him because right. I know <laughs> I'm no not going to worry about that. But what if it, instead of the way that they did that turn where she, it, where Wanda says America and then Doctor Strange does the whole, I didn't tell you her name. What if they did set it up that she wanted to help him find her? And they had the buddy movie of the two of them up until halfway. And then it turns the tables. And through that experience, there could have been those moments that you were looking for where here's Wanda where she's dabbling with the Darkhold too much. Mm -hmm. Or he's noticing she's acting a little differently or he's feeling that there's some... You know, spell casting going on that is unnatural or whatever while they're working together. I that that would have been fine to it because it was it was the introducing her in this movie and then immediately the heel turn. Yeah, like there was there yeah. was no preamble to it. It was just gotcha. Yep. Yep. All right. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. All right, guys. I think that covers Thor, Love and Thunder, and a lot else. We lost Matt, <laughs> so there's no point in going on. Um, unlike Thor, we do, we do not have a daughter to replace him, so... No! Uh, thanks, guys, cats. for tuning in to another episode of Offworld. Stay tuned. We got big news coming soon. Uh, but until then, thanks for joining us. Smash that like button. Subscribe, 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 blah, 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 blah.
You guys know the drill. Alright. Till next time. What do you guys want to do after this? <laughs> well, let's plan out the next 15 go. years of Marvel. Because we already started. 15 years. <laughs> Alright, I'll meet you guys at Chili's. On the way. Uh, Jesse hates see, that would have chilies. That would have that would have been the way that a Wednesday night would have ended for me back or in the Friday old days. Night. Yeah. Or yeah, or Saturday. Jesse, the other week when we got together, we were sitting there spitballing how this movie could <laughs> work better, and we we were going at least about an hour and a half to two hours down the rabbit hole sure. of ideas. It's like that. That's pretty depressing when a movie gives you that much on the table that you can play with and make something better. Than what you were given. Yeah. So close. So. What are you gonna do when you're stuck with your friends inside your room? What are you gonna do when you're stuck with your friends with nothing to do? You're gonna go to Off World. Go to go to Off World. It's where you talk about movies that you've seen. Talk about movies in your dreams. You go to Off World. Yeah. Let's talk off.